Now, over recent weeks, I've found myself thinking about Isaiah the prophet. He's not someone that we really talk about a whole lot or even think about that much, despite the fact that the book of Isaiah is often quoted in the New Testament, usually by Jesus, and it does contain a lot of very well-known verses. But a few weeks ago, I was thinking about the calling of Isaiah in chapter 6, and then in fairly quick succession after that, it was brought to my attention again in conversations with a number of our staff, and it's led me to what I want to share with you this morning. So if you'd like to turn with me or you can follow along on the screen, I'd love to have a look at this account that starts in verse 1 of Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty." Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. This was a pivotal moment for Isaiah. At this point, it is likely that he was aware somewhat of the prophetic gifting on his life. This wasn't the first vision or dream that he had had, but it was the moment where he had to respond to what God was asking of him. He would have been aware that in saying yes to this calling, he was agreeing to be the mouthpiece of God. The role of the prophet is to bring forth words from the Lord, and this would be for correction, for encouragement, but also to challenge a people who were not following God as God desired them to. And yet despite this, there is little hesitation. Isaiah does not need to be coerced into service, but instead he willingly responds with gratitude to the grace shown to him by God. He acknowledges his own sinfulness, and then as quickly as the Lord takes this away, he responds by saying, here I am, send me. What a challenge that is for us. Each of us in our own sinfulness has had the same gift of grace and forgiveness that Isaiah received. And now that we know that incredible gift, how can we do anything other than respond to God with joy and thanksgiving? If we truly understand the plight of the lost, of those who have not yet heard, who do not yet know, how can we do anything other than answer with that same yes Send me, I'll go. When you go somewhere like Thailand, a nation where the vast majority live under the influence of Buddhism and spirit worship, it is actually incredibly challenging to see how much more the majority of Thai Christians understand what is required. Nothing is done without prayer, because they understand that the battle is a spiritual one, and trying to do anything without the covering of prayer would be futile and very unwise. 
hearing the likes of Wenai choosing to go without a choosing to go without a salary for five months, how challenging is that to us here in New Zealand? Sure, we will all face some really challenging situations throughout our lives. But the reality is that we live pretty comfortable lives, where most of the time we can just go through the motions, go to work, take the kids to school, to activities, we can meet friends for coffee, and a week goes by and we wonder how time just flew by so fast. For most Western Christians, it would be possible from the moment of our salvation, our first yes to Jesus, to live in our own wee bubble of doing life, spending time praying, worshipping, reading the Bible, going to church, doing all those things, and yet completely missing the big picture of a world who needs Jesus. I was recently in the car with Brianna, and we were heading out to Rangiora for dancing. And as we're driving along, seemingly out of nowhere, we had this conversation. So, Mum, anyone who doesn't know Jesus, they're going to spend eternity in hell? Whoa, where did that come from? I'm driving along, thinking about what I needed to do in terms of hair and makeup and costumes, and what time was she due on stage, and did I have enough time to get her ready, and you know, are we running late? What's the traffic like? And she asked this question, and I responded something along the lines of, "Well, at a very basic level, yes," and then went on to talk about how we've all sinned, that there are consequences to that sin, and that that is why Jesus paid the price for all of us. And then she said something like. That seems really harsh that God would do that. To which I said, sure, if you only look at it completely from a judgment perspective. But God is full of grace and has provided so many ways for us to be reconciled to him. His desire is that none should perish and all any of us have to do is call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and we will be saved. It's why he sent Jesus to die for us so that we all have a chance to make a choice for ourselves. And the choice to cry out to Jesus is available to us right up until our last breath. She then asked about people who haven't had a chance to hear about Jesus. And we talked about how there are many stories of people who have had dreams of him. And how that shows how much God desires for us to be reconciled to and to have relationship with him. But also how important it is that we continue to make sure that we are doing whatever we can to tell others about him and what he's done for us. And then she said, but I don't want the such and such family to go to hell. And she promptly burst into tears. We talked a bit more. I didn't just leave it at that, obviously. <laughs> but it was in that moment that I realized that Brianna had gone from understanding that salvation was something that was personal to her for her own eternity to a place where she realized how much more was at stake for those she loves. What if my family member, my neighbor, my workmate, my friend, never has the opportunity to say yes to Jesus? What more could I do? This is all part of us growing up to spiritual maturity that we don't stay baby Christians where it is all about our own needs and wants, but where we understand the gravity of the role that we play in the lives and eternities of those around us. Yeah. It's not just about our first yes, but our continued yes as we live our lives with Christ at the center. We've sung a song this morning 
that is all about our continued yes. And the lyrics say, it's my joy to say yes to you. Send me, send me, I'll go anywhere. Now that's, that's a big statement. It's a statement of faith. A statement of declaration. Because you might not actually be quite where you can say those words and mean them 100%. Does that mean that we shouldn't sing the words? Because we're called to worship in spirit and truth. Is it okay to sing this if I'm not quite there yet? Yeah, I believe so. I think we all have areas in our lives that we have to consciously and continually ask God to help us surrender to him. None of us have attained perfection. But we can sing this song with the desire to be in that total place of surrender. As an act of faith, as we continue to work on removing the obstacles in our lives that hold us back. So what are some of these obstacles? And what can we do about them? The first one I'd like to touch on is self-comfort. And in Mark 10, verses 17 to 31, we read the account of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds initially by listing the commandments to which the young man says, yes, yes, I've, I've kept all of those since my childhood. And in verse 21 we read, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. This man's comfort was an obstacle to his willingness to surrender, to go, to follow Jesus. Now, you may have heard of some other young men who had a very different perspective. In fact, if you've done our commission course, you will definitely have heard their story. Leonard Dober and David Nishman were Moravian missionaries who felt so strongly about the call to share the gospel with slaves on the island of St. Thomas that they were willing to sell themselves into slavery in order to do so. Right. Now, in the end, that wasn't what was required. They were able to get passage on a Dutch ship by working as carpenters, and this got them to where they were able to share the gospel with the people they felt called to serve. But it wouldn't have been possible if they hadn't been willing to do what the rich young ruler was not. You know, there's a lot of talk about privilege in today's world, but one of the greatest privileges that we all have is the knowledge of what Christ has done for us. Yeah. And unlike other forms of privilege that can seem like we have very little influence or control over, or can seem impossible for us to, to bring change to, this is something we do have the power to bring others into, right. to share with them. The question to ask is, am I willing to allow God to use whatever I have in order to see his purposes fulfilled, not only in my own life, but in the lives of others? Right. Am I willing to set aside my own self-comfort to put others first, knowing that as it promises at the end of this passage in Mark, that my reward will be found in eternity? The second obstacle I'd like to talk about is self-doubt. Now, if you've ever questioned your own ability, then you're in good company. I think probably everybody in this room could put their hand up and say, yep, at some point in my life, I've questioned my ability to do whatever. And we can look at the examples of both Moses and David, who, who at different times said, who am I to do this thing that you've asked of me? And wondered about their own calling. 
But God, throughout the Bible, has shown over and over again that he would call on the person who you would least expect to do something in order that it would be him that would receive the honor and the glory. Where man values skill and riches, God responds to our hearts. We can even be encouraged by Jesus' calling of the first disciples. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, we read, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It's a well-known passage. But note that Jesus didn't say to them, Your skills are ideally suited to this, or you already have everything that you need to do this. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, or send you to fish for men. Their own skill as fishermen had very little to do with their ability to make disciples. But it was Jesus who would make it possible. If we go back to the calling of Isaiah, in answer to his statement of his own sinfulness, the Lord provided a way for him to be made clean. God will equip you for what he calls you to do. The Bible is full of promises of how he will make up for our lack. And here are just some of them. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And Romans 8 tells us the Spirit helps us in our weakness, verse 26. That if our God is for us, then who can be against us, verse 31. And that we are more than conquerors through him who lived us, loves us, verse 37. God doesn't just call the qualified. In fact, more often than not, he qualifies the called. If he has called you to do it, he will give you what you need to carry out that calling. And the next thing we have to overcome is self-reliance. In Matthew 14, we read the incredible account of when the disciples were out in the boat. The wind had picked up, and they were being blown about. And Jesus, who was on the shore, decides to just walk out across the water to them. Of course, the disciples were terrified, and they assumed it was a ghost. Okay. But if we read from verse 27, Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Now, the only reason that Peter was able to walk on water was because he had his eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. His faith was in the one who he knew could perform miracles. As soon as he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the circumstances around him, the water he was standing on, the wind, he started to sink. He moved from reliance on Christ to reliance on self. And funnily enough, we don't have the ability to walk on water. If we try and do everything in our own strength, we rely on what we can do, then this becomes an obstacle, a barrier to us being able to fully realize what God wants of us. 
We limit ourselves to the natural, to our natural, instead of the supernatural. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The answer to all of these obstacles is to put Christ in the place of self. When we have Jesus at the center of our lives, then our self-comfort, our self-doubt, our self-reliance is replaced by our willing desire to love and serve him, to put others first, to trust in him, and to be able to honestly say, send me. You'll often hear us say that Life Church does not just do mission, but we are a church on mission. And that extends to every single one of us. Mission is not limited to those that go in the literal sense of the word. It can be easier for us to say, yes, I'd go to the ends of the earth, than to say yes to reaching into the darkest corners of our current environment. I am so thankful that the likes of Lorraine, who did answer the call to go to the nations, and we can and should celebrate the impact that that, that she has had, but not all of us will have that opportunity or even that calling. I can remember as a teen singing wholeheartedly that I would go to the ends of the earth fully believing that the nations would be part of God's plan for my life. And yes, I've had the opportunity to go to Thailand, and I'd have loved to do more of that. But I also remember shortly after realizing that God was calling us to come to Selwyn, to this campus, that I could sing those words and have it apply here and now. Team, you can come back. When we sing, send me, I'll go anywhere, we are not simply saying, send me to the nations, but we are saying, use me in every situation. It's being willing to submit to his will for our lives, just as Christ Jesus submitted to his Father's will by dying on the cross. Send me to feed the hungry, to give water to those who thirst, to look after others, and to clothe those who need it. Send me to pray for the lost, to serve those around me. Send me into the lives of my family, my friends, co-workers. Send me to stand up against the crowd, to boldly share my faith. Send me to raise my children to know and love you. Send me to speak hope into my school, my university, my sports club. Send me to live out Colossians 3.17 where it says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The Great Commission tasks us to therefore go and make disciples of all nations. But note, it doesn't say all other nations. All means all. Here in Lincoln, New Zealand, all the way to the unreached villages in Laos, the Thai Buddhists, the Hmong people, it's both and. For many of us, the greatest impact we can have 
is in the lives of the people we see every day. Your go may not require you to go very far at all, or maybe it will. We certainly value sending teams, and we know that is part of God's plan. We know that there are still many, many unreached people groups, and it is so important that people do go so that they may hear about Jesus. But some of these people groups may already be here, studying and working alongside us. More importantly, your send me, I'll go anywhere, has equal value if he is sending you to the nations or to your neighbor. Your continued yes to Jesus is saying, I trust you, Lord. I'll go anywhere you want me to. It's been open to hearing his voice and obeying his prompting. We don't have to wait to go and make disciples. We can start wherever God has placed us by simply being willing to allow him to rule and reign in our lives. We're going to sing this song again. And as we do, we're going to open up the front to allow people to respond however you might need to. This is a moment between you and God where you get to say your yes again, to surrender to him whatever it is that you need to, to declare that you will trust in him. Maybe God is stirring in your heart a call to the nations. This is your chance to respond. Maybe God is stirring you to speak up in your school, your university, or your workplace. This is your chance to respond. Maybe you just want to make a stand and surrender afresh to him. Whatever it is, I just encourage you to come as we sing.